0: For our sake, He made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God was in Christ, God was not far off distance. Of course, you know we worship a, a Trinitarian God, right? Uh, one in essence, one in essence, but three personalities. Whenever you interact with one, the two are always there as well. If you speak to the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son are there. If you interact with the Father, the Son, and, and the Holy Spirit are there. If you're talking to the third one, the other two are there as well. Right? So they're, they're, they're involved in everything and the Father was very much present in what was happening to Jesus. I remember, some of you may remember the movie The Passion of the Christ. A very fairly, well, quite graphic Story of the last week of Jesus' life. Um, And uh, one of the scenes that exploded on the inside of me when I watched that movie was actually almost the very last scene of the movie. After going through this, how, how long was the movie? Two hours, two and a half hours long? Of watching this graphic, brutal stuff, which, by the way, didn't even measure up to the reality if, 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 you, if you read the Bible about what happened to Jesus. It was way worse than what was depicted in that movie. But the last scene of that movie was the, so Jesus is on the cross, he's being brutalized on the cross, he's dying on the cross and he dies and then the camera goes up into the, into the sky and out of the sky this uh, one Teardrop falls and hits the ground. I thought what a powerful, powerful uh, image of the heart of the Father in that moment. His heart was broken for what was happening to Jesus. And and, And God went through this for people like you and me. So that we could be reconciled to Him. You know, in so many ways, I'm a Christian. I could have been anything else, right? I could have been a lots of other things. I grew up in a different faith system. Uh, my best friends were next door. My next door neighbors were uh, were from another faith system than mine and different from Christianity. And I could have been anything. I could have been an atheist even. But it's because. I, met, I, you know, I, I, I came to realize uh, that nobody else uh, nobody else comes close to answering the question of suffering the way that I believe that Christianity does because what the Bible what, what, what the cross shows us is that God isn't a million miles away with a half smile on his face you know, serene, uh, detached from the the pain of this world. He actually enters into the pain of this world and there's no easy answers to the question of suffering and I want to make light of the, the issue of suffering because it's not just a philosophical theological question it's a real question that touches each and every single one of us. It's a personal emotional thing but for me uh, I may never fully understand the whys of why, why, why suffering is, but my solace and my comfort is that the God that I worship is a God who enters, entered and continues to enter into the suffering of this world. And that's what the cross in so, um, in so clear a way, a clear fashion, God shows us that he is involved in the suffering of this world. And the glorious news is that when we trust Him, when we fix our eyes on Him, ultimately suffering will, 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 will pan out, it will make sense. Amen? So uh, what I want to share is this. I read the Bible, you know, quite a bit. I've been a Christian for a while. I even went to school to study the Bible. I spent lots of money investing, not wasting, investing money in going to school to study the Bible. But I never ever came across what I discovered maybe a month ago. And it just, uh, personally speaking, it just blew my sockets. And I shared it with some of our leadership team. And the reason why it was significant is because God doesn't you know, God is the most powerful, if you believe in God properly, God is the most powerful entity, uh, person in the universe. Because he's God, that makes him God. And But he doesn't force himself on anybody, does he? You know, we still have to find God. Uh, somebody said he's hidden in plain sight. We have to find him in, in, in the course of life. He doesn't, you know, there's no banner across the sky saying, I am God, come and worship me. You know, he, 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 he hides himself in plain sight. And one of the things that, that makes that real for me is this story of the crimson worm. Has anybody heard of the analogy in the Old Testament about the crimson worm? It's actually not an analogy, it's actually a real thing. It's a worm called the crimson worm. The, 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 Greek, the, the, the Hebrew word is, is tola'at. And in fact, this worm exists today. It's been around for a long time. It exists even today. And even today, in the Middle East, the uh, m- people in the Middle East, they, they harvest these crimson worms to get the dye in order to dye their clothes. Red, crimson, scarlet. Even to this day they still do this. And so here's what I learned from this amazing passage. Maybe I'll use my uh, clicker because you need to see the pictures as well. Didn't you guys switch over yet? So, uh, Psalm 22, which is a psalm of David, this is something that David, King David wrote 1,000 years before Jesus showed up. This Psalm 22. It's also called a psalm, a psalm of the crucifixion or, or psalm of the cross. And here's how he starts off. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Anybody familiar with that? That sounds familiar? That's what Jesus said on the cross, one of the seven statements that Jesus made on the cross. A thousand years after David wrote this, Jesus says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In fact, I'll just read some of it. My God, my God, why have you, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and from my words of groaning? My God, I cry by day, by day but you do not answer. By night, yet I have no rest. But you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you rescued them. They cried to you, and, you were, and they were set free. They trusted in you and were not disgraced. But I am a worm, not a man. Scorned by mankind, despised by people. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads. He relies on God. Let him save him. Let the Lord rescue him. Does that sound familiar to anybody? This is exactly what happened to Jesus when he was hanging on the cross. Right? If you if you read the passages in Matthew, uh, as they were as the people were walking by, Jesus, Jesus is hanging on the cross, and as he's walking, as they're walking by, going about their business, they see him and they hurl insults at him. Some people even say, um, "Why why does he rescue himself? Himself? He is healed." Lots of people. Why doesn't he rescue himself? Uh, so, yeah. Here's the amazing thing about about uh, about uh, this verse. The word "worm." The, there are two words in the old in the Bible in the. Hebrew Bible, two words that we translate worm. And the more, the more common uh, word is rima, R-A-M-M-A-H, is the English transliteration rima. And that's commonly used throughout the Old Testament to speak of the word worm or maggot or something like that. But it's another word, uh, tolaat, which is actually a very specific worm. It's the crimson worm. The crimson worm, a scarlet worm. And this is the word that Jesus used here. I am a scarlet worm. Okay? Um, this is also the, the word that was used uh, when God was giving the, uh, Moses and the people of Israel, he was giving them the commandments about building the tabernacle. And you had to build the, the, the Ark of the Covenant and then cover it with a red, a scarlet cloth and that cloth is that came from, comes from, this worm. So, I found on the internet something quite spectacular that really made a big impact on me. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about the scarlet worm if you haven't uh, heard about it before. Uh, These worms give birth to their young, only once in their life. Only once do they give birth to their young, and you'll find out why very shortly. There's only once that this worm uh, gives birth to young, to its young. When it's ready to release uh, its young, release its its larva, what it does is it burrows its way into wood. It could be a stick or wood of some sort. Often it's a tree. It attaches itself to a tree and it attaches itself so tightly to that tree that if you try to pull it off, the thing will just break. You, you, You can't take it off. It'll die. So what it does as it's about to give birth to its young, it attaches itself to a tree and it forms a, a shell, a hardened shell around it, uh, that's made of, that's uh, crimson in color, red in color, scarlet in color. So you, you get the picture. It attaches itself to a tree. It forms a shell around it, and then it releases its larva, larvae, larva, larvae, plural. Okay, many little maggoty kind of things are released from its body, and is protected by this scarlet shell. So what happens is that these larvae begin begins to feed on the living body of this crimson worm. It begins to eat, in order for it to be sustained, it eats the living body of this worm, of the mother, so to speak. And it does that until they're mature enough, strong enough to uh, to, to live on their own. When she's about to die, so however long it takes, a few days, a few, you know, however long that takes, when the, when the worm is about to die, it releases a crimson dye that covers the larvae, the, the, the young. It covers the young. And that stain stays on the young larvae for the rest of its life. This crimson stain covers the larvae for the rest of its life. So not only is it crimson from the inside out it's also crimson because of the, of the blood, not the blood the, the, the crimson dye that rests on this, on this uh, that, that rests on it from its mother. So she dies. It stains not just the uh, thing, oh, that, that's what it looks like the scarlet worm. what it looks like and then it stains the tree upon which it's attached and then three days after the mother dies three days after it dies this crimson worm changes color it turns uh, white, it becomes white and it it's a hardened white wax and it falls to the ground like a whiff of snow they say and this is sort of what it looks like three days after so I'm listening to this on the internet and I'm blown away by just how Powerful this is, because I'm sure you're catching on to the connection to Jesus on the cross. He attached himself, or they attached him to the cross, and he stayed there on the cross because of his love for you and for me. And as is, as the ones who were born again in him, we get to feast on him. We get to eat from me. Remember John chapter 6 where it says... Uh, uh, Eat of me and drink of me. I remember many years ago when uh, uh, Heidi Baker, who was uh, an American missionary to uh, Mozambique and to different parts of the world, but she starts, you know she's in Mozambique and, and based there. Uh, when Heidi came to the airport church many years ago, she, she was powerfully touched by the Holy Spirit, and she had a vision of Jesus telling her, Heidi. There will always be enough. There will always be enough because this was a time when the needs were so uh, extreme, and and she felt so limited in terms of their resources. But in the vision, the Lord was saying to her, Heidi, "There is more than enough. There is always more than enough." And in the vision of Jesus that she saw, she saw him coming to her and pushing his hand into his own side and pulling out his flesh. And it turns to bread as he, as he gives it to her. There will always be enough. We get to eat from Jesus. We get to drink from him. We get to, to eat of the living person of Jesus. We get to eat of his body. We get to drink of his blood. She secretes a crimson dye. We just sang earlier, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Elsie gave a powerful testimony of how the blood of Jesus is so powerful in terms of impacting that uh, man's life in hospital. We can't underestimate the power of the blood of Jesus. When he covers us, when we step into him, when we're born again in him, he covers us with his precious blood. And he protects us with his blood. He purifies us with His blood. He empowers us by His blood. And we get to live in Him through His blood. I love this imagery. And of course, we all know Isaiah 1, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, where it says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. And we see this worm turning into a white uh, thing and then falling off. And it looks, like, it looks like snow on the ground. Amazing. Hidden in plain sight. Hidden in plain sight. I love this story because, because if, we, if we look with the eyes of faith, if we look with the eyes of inquiry, we will find... The cross. We'll find who Jesus is. We'll find his amazing goodness to us. We'll find out what he's done for us. I'm going to go back to this image at the very beginning there. This is, some of you may recognize this. I saw this on Facebook or maybe Instagram where, where I stole it from. Uh, this is the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris that just burnt, burnt uh, got badly damaged by fire. And then this is the sanctuary and you're looking from the entrance towards the front of the church and even though there's dust and dirt and debris and everything else the one thing that stands out and just looks you know so obvious is the cross and you know when you when you when you when you disengage from all the smoke and mirrors and the noise about you know the fact that in three days they raised three billion dollars to do renovations which is amazing in its of itself. And then some people are complaining because they're, you're tr- finding, finding it difficult to find money, money to feed the poor. And I'm not going to ar- go into that kind of discussion. But the point I want to make is that when we look for Jesus, we find Him. We find Him. And He's always beckoning us to Himself. He is indeed the light of the world. The darkness shines, but it will never overcome Him. Amen? Amen? So, that's all I want to talk about this morning. Let me read one more scripture passage before we take communion, or at least two more. I want to read from 2 Corinthians again 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 to 21. That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not not counting their trespasses or their sins against them, their wrongdoings against them. And he has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him made him, meaning Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is what Good Friday is all about. The Christian faith is not in essence about good teaching, although there is lots of that. There is good good teaching, good moral teaching in Christianity. That's awesome. The Christian faith is not in essence about even signs and wonders and miracles, although there's that, there are signs and wonders and miracles. The crux, the heart of the Christian message is what we're celebrating this weekend. The fact that God, God came into this world, died on the cross. A horrible, horrifying death. One of the worst deaths possible. He died it, died in, in he died that death in our place us but then the, gro- the glorious news is that he rose again from the dead he's alive forevermore this is the heart of the Christian message and those of us who believe we get to live in this place of knowing God in a personal way but we also have the obligation and the responsibility and the joy of imploring other people Be reconciled. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled. If you feel like you're distant from God, if God is just a good idea, some nebulous idea somewhere out there, you're not sure about who God is, we can know God as human beings in a reasonably certain and secure way because he's made himself available to us. Jesus said, If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. You have seen me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The book of Hebrews, one of the books in the Bible says that Jesus is the perfect representation of who God is, what God is like. And so what I want to do before we begin to take communion to celebrate what Jesus did on the cross, I want to give, a, I want to give an invitation to everybody in this room. If you've never ever decided to become a follower of Jesus, to put your trust in Jesus, the person of Jesus. What he did on the cross 2,000 years ago, that the fact that he rose again from the dead, that he's alive, not visibly at the moment, he's alive, but, we can, but, but he's alive in our midst. He's a spirit, he's alive, and he's here right now. And you can have a living relationship with this God. And so I want to implore you, I want to encourage you, I want to beseech you, I want to beg you. I want to strongly encourage you that if you've never given your life to Jesus, that you would do this. And maybe even if you had given your life to Jesus at some point in the past, but now but, but because of diff- different reasons, you have somehow you know, let that slide. Let this be a day where you make a fresh commitment to following Jesus. Following Jesus, making Him the, the Lord, the boss, the ruler, the King of your life, the one who get, who directs your your steps. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a simple prayer, and you can pray something in your own words along those lines, and then we will have communion. And if you want to come and talk to me or my wife or Cayenne or anybody else, then we can we can do that. Okay, so. Let's just pray for a moment. If your heart is racing, I would say, think of that as God with you, trying to stir you towards him, wooing you towards him. Jesus, I thank you for coming. I thank you for dying on the cross. I thank you for showing us, showing me what God is like. And Lord, today I choose to put my trust in what you've done for me thank you that in you I can have all my sins forgiven and I can have a relationship with the living God so I invite you into my heart Jesus I invite you into my heart again Jesus and I I decide today to follow you to give you the control of my life Thank you for forgiving me of all my sins. Thank you for reconciling me, reconnecting me to God in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, if you've prayed that prayer or something along those lines, I would really encourage you to come and talk to me or talk to your friend or somebody, let, just let somebody know. What we're going to do right now is we're going to uh, in response to Good Friday, in response to celebrating Jesus' death, we're going to take communion together. And the way we'll do it is if we can have the, um, the people who, who will dis- distribute the elements, if they can come right now, grab the elements, and ju- we'll just do it as one body today, okay? Normally, on Sundays, we, we break into smaller groups. But this morning, we'll do it, we'll do it uh, as one, symbolizing the fact that we are one in this room we're one because of jesus so if we can have our friends grab the things and begin to distribute the elements that would be great Hidden in plain sight. Hidden in plain sight. God is everywhere. If we have eyes to see, we'll see him. As the elements are being passed around the room, passed out, passed around the room, I will do an interpretive dance, (laughs) accompanied by uh, a solo. People don't get it, are still looking at me, waiting for me to dance. (laughs) Crazy people. Crimson worm, Jesus, our crimson worm. Holy Spirit, I ask, Lord, that you would stir our hearts. Lord, do what mere words can't do.